It's coming your way. The Jungle Book. It's the unforgettable story of the boy who was raised by wolves, befriended by a bear, only to end up in the wildest adventure of all. Look out! This summer, you're invited to look out for the most fighting, fighting, swinging, flinging jungle tale ever. Somebody do something with that kid. And it's only at a theater near you. Walt Disney's classic, The Jungle Book, rated G. Now playing at a theater near you. Welcome, all you man cubs, to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. My name is King of the Jungle, Steve Guntley, and today we are talking about 1967's The Jungle Book from a little guy that nobody believed in named Walt Disney. Who's what a what a clown? Who knows who that guy is? That's a facetious bit that's going nowhere. Who else is with me today? <laughs> I'm a frozen severed head. <laughs> <laughs> is his head severed? Allegedly, 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 allegedly Walt Disney's head has been cryogenically frozen, I like th- something off of Futurama. I just yeah. assumed you would have done his whole body. No, I, at think. the time, the technology, like, and how much is the rest of the body actually worth? There's an entire documentary yeah, on it on, on YouTube. Market. It's called "The Many Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head." Ooh, he's, okay. under the, he's under Disney World right now. <clears throat> there are a lot of theories. I've heard yeah. this. Many I've heard have the said Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And yeah. the name of this severed head is Jabin. <laughs> yes, we. I was hoping we would circle around to it. Oh, but it's I trust not Madame Leota. <laughs> uh, who else is here with us? Uh, hi, I'm Simba, and I think I might be in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, but I also go by Justin sometimes. 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 But usually, people don't know behind the scenes, we usually call him Simba. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. weird. Yeah, it's weird and alarming. Why and, is it weird? We have a special guest joining us today. <laughs> and I am the unnamed girl that's just there to bat eyelashes and annoy parents at the end of the movie. Yes, exactly. That is that is, uh, exactly. that is your whole I, name. I am the unnamed sexual awakening for... <laughs> Poor, poor Mowgli. Pu- puberty man comes. Oh, well, I am. Okay. All right. My name is Hannah. It's nice yes. To be hi, here. Hannah. Welcome. Hi. Welcome. Like I said, today we are back in Disney territory. We are talking about The Jungle Book from 1967. Uh, this was directed by Wolfgang Reitherman, written by Larry Clemens, Ralph Wright, Ken Anderson, and Vance Gary. And this stars Pat- Phil Harris, Sebastian Cabot, Louis Prima, George Sanders, Sterling Holloway, J. Pat O'Malley, Clint Howard, and Bruce Reitherman. Yeah, so, you know, one of our one of the many Disney movies that we are going to be talking about on this show. This one is kind of unique because they don't usually make video games for uh, movies that predate video games. Uh, and this is kind of one of those rare exceptions where they actually went back and did it. Um, we'll get to talking about the game in a little bit, but we have to get into this movie. It's a pretty monumental movie for Disney in a lot of ways. Still to this day, one of their five biggest hits. Mm -hmm. If you adjust for inflation, it is, I believe, the fifth highest grossing Disney film of all time. Already the fidget spinners are a flying around here. (laughs) Yeah, so so worth something like $700 million at the box office, like, which is... 
pretty crazy. Um, it, this is also noteworthy because it is the last film that Walt Disney ever worked on. He died and had his head severed uh, in 1966. And uh, where do we think it is now? It's in NORAD, I believe. Now, yeah. I want them to do like a flat Stanley with Walt Disney's head. <laughs> like, you know, he's sending it around to like elementary school kids and they take a picture of it and they're in front of a map. So yeah, I think here's my that. question, right? Was it an open casket funeral? I, I, you know, I wasn't there. I had a thing. Oh, I mean, you I were. A, I, I figured a, you would be alive back then. I had a so. thing that weekend. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Gotcha. I was. The, yeah. I was covering. No, up the what JFK they did is they had an animatronic of Walt Disney <laughs> oh. from the Great Adventures of President Lincoln. <laughs> there and it they, is. They've added Frederick Douglass to it now. Oh, that's good. Apparently, okay. Uh, but. That's my bet. They made an animatronic of Walt Disney for the casket, but they slithered away the other body with the severed head on the trains in his backyard that he had built. There we go. So how, okay. how soon did they freeze his head? I, I don't know how long it takes. I don't know. I'm, I'm not there up to date on the technology. I mean, I feel like the longer you go between, you know, death and freeze is like bad. Yeah, I would think so, but you know, I'm not. I've never frozen the, the, heads. So. The man's an imagineer. You know, he can he can <laughs> figure this all out. You know, yeah. he's also like, I I wish more celebrities were batshit crazy in the way that Walt Disney was. Like, like uh, Nicolas Cage having a, his own pyramid in, uh, in Nicolas Cage New Orleans, is batshit crazy in or less bad ways than I Walt Disney kind of. I say that Nicolas Cage yes. is batshit crazy. Okay. I just said that he had. He has a tomb has in a New tomb. Orleans I've that's there. shaped like a pyramid, and I am not casting aspersions on it. Yeah. I think it's fly. It's no, great. I mean, it's great. I I personally enjoy Nick Cage, especially lately when he clearly is just living life. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I was more thinking along the lines of Barbara Streisand, who has a mall in her basement. She built her own private mall under her house so that she does. could simulate the act of shopping because she's too famous to go Does shopping in real life. people work down there? That's what I've always been wondering. Closet. Yeah, it's it's just like this, but there are storefronts and there are things down there. So like, that's the right kind of crazy. I think if you're gonna have a shitload of money and be crazy, that's the right kind of thing to do. I do miss the eccentricities. Um, I know there's a lot of, um, like everyone's like, let's go to the moon or let's go to the Mars. Uh, but like, let's go to the Mars. Let's go to the Mars. Let's do it. Um, the Mars factory. Wouldn't it be really funny if both David Bowie and Elton John had to answer for uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk's <laughs> desire for a space exploration? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, damn it! Oh, we, well, I was just asking if there was life on Mars. How was that perfect David Bowie impression? <laughs> it was really good. Right? That was a stunning. It David is Bowie. I, David Bowie. <laughs> Back from the dead. That's not fair. You try again. I know you've got a David Bowie in you. Oh, I definitely have. <laughs> a David Bowie. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> speaking of superstars, though. Ch -ch just to bring jazz. In... Okay, sorry, <laughs> well, David Bowie would be awesome. I will say, just to tie it back to the movie, if only they could have gotten the actual Beatles for the Vultures. Yeah. Did, was there an attempt? They're yes, probably... they oh, actually okay. wanted the Vultures for the original film, which is why they're all modeled in the haircuts based off of the Beatles for every individual Vulture. Right, they were definitely, that was definitely a reference. I wasn't sure if they were actually trying to, because the, I mean, well, we're going on so many tangents already, but the Beatles were already reluctant to do animation. They did uh, a yellow submarine, mm -hmm. didn't want to do it, then got involved at the very end of it. But like, yeah, so yeah, I would was understand. the year after where was 68. 67, they're at the height of their powers too. So they probably, yeah. No, they didn't need to be involved in, in the children's production. But 
okay, so this is something that struck me. The f- this is the first time I noticed the name of the voice of Mowgli is the director's son. It's Bruce so this Reitherman. Is, this is yeah. one area where nepotism this, worked out. This is the okay one way. area. <laughs> yes, the one area, area where nepotism has <laughs> happened. To me, I, so I hate nepotism, but sometimes these nepo babies, like... Mm. They, they're pretty it, good. It turns. I've been, I've been enjoying watching. He was a genuine kid. I've really been enjoying um, watching Dakota Johnson pretend she doesn't hate the new Spider-Man thing that she's in. Like that's been really fun. It, it turns out baby. that if you grow up rich and can spend your time doing whatever you want with resources to get training, you can be good at things. Yeah, but there are a lot of wastrel Nepo babies. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying 100%. that it, it's nice to see. I like Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like she's a really fun actress. Yeah, she uh, looking, yeah. was in Stranger Things. Right? Yeah, yeah, she was yeah. in Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's just really funny. I've been, uh, a, a stand-up I've been listening to this week is Jack Whitehall. Oh, yeah. And his, uh, he's a huge Nepo baby uh of um of his father and who was like the um agent for uh Jane, dame judy dench and oh, like all wow. of these really famous people uh and it's just like i'm like okay ne- you are a nepo baby uh but i'm still enjoying some of what you do yeah. um hey you know sometimes they do and so i think you know in this case i think the voice acting is uh, it works because for nothing else, like I don't think they were really particularly interested in being realistic when they cast kids back in the '60s, like or or being the kids being uh, actors necessarily. They just need to be kind of naturalistic, and I think that's the vocal performance here. Um, Plus, the most amount of time he's probably spent with his dad. Animation, you're in the studio for 14 hours a day at the bare minimum. And this was uh, Wolf Reitherman's, one of his first projects, being a director for the Disney company. So this is likely their greater bonding experience of take your kid to work day. And instead, you want to be on a movie with me, son? We can spend more time together. I think he was like 10 or 12. He had to be at least around 11 or 12. Mowgli is supposed to be 10 because 10 years of reign have come and gone, at least in the book and in the adaptation. and like really? if we're aging I it properly, that like he was a little bit younger than ten. Well, if it gives you some context, the original actor they had cast to play Mowgli went through puberty while they were uh, while setting they up were production. production. His voice started cracking, so they had to replace him. So that's about the age. Which is the same thing that were. happened for the Sword and the Stone with their yeah. their actor, but they kept in the puberty, which is why you hear his different voices in varying I love scenes. The Sword and the Stone. I, I mean, it holds up. The first project this... of the Sherman Brothers, and now they're back here with Disney again. Uh, yeah, and of uh, Bill Pete, who was the principal animator on this project when it got started. And when this movie was being developed, this was going to be like a straightforward, somber adaptation of The Jungle Book. They Which wanted something a little bit more see. in the tone of like Bambi or something kind of naturalistic like that. And you do see Bambi in the film. You see Bambi's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like, so, in which she lives. <laughs> yeah, she lives this time. She gets a revenge. Uh, but like eventually they added the character of Baloo. Uh, well, they didn't add the character. The character's in the book, but they tweaked the character of Baloo to be kind of like the fun-loving party bear just to like lighten the mood Rather a than bit. the strict professor that he is in the original. And Disney liked that so much that he's just like, all right, I want to lighten the entire thing. Uh, Bill Pete quit the film in protest. And so they brought in the new directors and the new writers to kind of punch it up. And basically Walt Disney said, ignore the book. This is just kind of a general outline of what the story is going to be. We want to adapt it as loosely and as goofily as we can and that's what they did and honestly i think it's better off for it i have not read the original book but a couple of a couple of y'all read this before right yes okay so this is going to be my uh 
Hi, this is Hannah again. I'm taking over, uh, and I apologize. I'm putting a so, timer on you. Oh, great. Okay, so for the people who've never heard of Rudyard Kipling, Rudyard Kipling was uh, born and raised in India up until around the age of six and seven, in which he did go to England and was raised in boarding school. And for those of you who have heard the phrase white man's burden, congratulations, now you know where it's from. This is one of Rudyard Kipling's most infamous poems on the concept of, in, in many ways, British imperialism in mm. many of his works. Many of right, them I'm, I'm going to skip the, you ahead yeah. past Rudyard Kipling's biography. Okay, we're, skip, we're skipping the biography. We, are we only have so much time. All time. Point <laughs> being that Kipling, British imperialism. So the original book of Mowgli is actually in two parts. So there's the first part in which Mowgli grows up in the jungle. He loves the jungle. Yeah, he meets yeah. Baloo. He meets Bagheera. He meets friends. But in discovering that he can control fire, which he does make to protect himself from Shere Khan, it is not an act of divine lightning. Right. He realizes, oh, fuck, I'm screwed. I'm ruining the lives of everyone around. I have to leave. Goes to the man village on his own. And in part two, he grows up into a man, as foretold, and turns his back on the jungle. The message being that a Briton in India, once he goes to Britain, will not remember the plights of his youth and of India and thus forget it. And this is man's responsibility that and, he will be negligent. And Disney's approach to that theme is <laughs> let's have monkeys playing the trumpet. Yes. Yes. He heard all that and he's like, and all right, trumpets. let's let's have swing music and dancing and like a goofy weird beatnik bear <laughs> and like just kind of like discard all of that interesting Which context. I like, think if you really think about it, is exactly what the book was about. Yeah. Walt Disney just did it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, they just kind of took it over, and, like, uh, this is one of the first Disney movies where they were casting, like, recognizable name voice actors. Like, we don't really know who they are now, but back in the day, like, Phil Harris was a popular stand-up comedian who was on TV a lot. Like, he's basically... And, and that's the other thing that this one is doing, is basically letting the voice actors keep their personas going with these characters like they had they made Baloo act more like Phil Harris they made Shere Khan act more like George Saunders you know just because they were they were playing up the fact that they had some names in the film mm -hmm. which is got you know that that it seems like a minor thing now because we've all grown up in like the era of like you know celebrity driven cartoon movies but, but that it, was new back like uh, even to like um Snow White they wanted somebody so unknown that they basically scuppered her career after she became Snow White exactly mm -hmm. for copyright yeah. for Angelina Castellina yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and they used to do that every once in a while they would throw a bone to like one of their teen stars like Bobby Driscoll and Peter Pan you know, but then mm -hmm. they most of the Catherine time. Catherine Beaumont did her too for Alice and for Wendy. That's right. Back right. To back. Yeah. See, so once in a while they would do that as like a cross promotion thing with a Disney TV show. But uh, and then Peggy Lee for Lady and the Tramp because uh, Peggy Lee and Sonny Burke did all the songs for the movie, so she's playing four roles in that entire film. Yeah. So if you're yeah. going to pay for Peggy Lee, you're going to get Peggy Lee. And this was also during the time of the big music strike. Yeah. So now now that we're by the 1960s, I agree with you. This is the age of starting to look for new voice casting. A couple years later, we would have The Rescuers with Bob Newhart and Zsa Zsa Gabor, which would have been huge names for pulling in the box office. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they absolutely would. And this one did dominate at the box office in a big way. And it was critically acclaimed. And I was reading, actually. So I just read this book about the Oscars. And I didn't know that Gregory Peck was the president of the Academy for a number of years and wound up being a really influential and, like, progressive 
uh, Academy president, and he was pushing really hard for the Jungle Book to get a Best Picture nomination. He loved it so much that he really wanted to see that happen. It would have been the first animated film to ever get there. And it got edged out by Dr. Doolittle, the 1967, like, Rex Harrison, Her- Dr. Rex Doolittle. Rex Harrison? Which was, like... Ouch, ouch. It was I'm a critical and commercial know. bomb at the time. Like, everybody hated that movie, but Fox basically wined and dined the Academy so, members. So, you and, know, yeah. I, I was going into some trepidation watching the jungle book and because like you you read and you watch things as children mm-hmm. like i love the dr doolittle series and so but i'm ter- i'm so scared of like, revisiting things from my childhood because i'm like how yeah. racist is this gonna be how sexist is this gonna oh, be yeah not great um and it was so interesting i think um I don't know. Um, I don't know how Doctor Doolittle fares, but I just remember really loving Doctor Doolittle. Um, yeah. And like, and the thing about the Jungle Book is, like, I feel because, like, again, like this is the perspective of a like. Um, so, like, I felt like there was a bit of a pain point when watching the Jungle Book, but it wasn't an overwhelming pain point. Like when you're watching some of other things from your childhood or even from the eighties, like. Um, so I'm like, I was glad that, um, uh, that watching it wasn't terribly obvious, but still yeah. I'm glad that Disney put in the note about, uh, the change in characterizations. Cause it, there's definitely like, I don't know, in 1967, um, it, it was just a, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It is it is interesting that they had the disclaimer. If you watch on on Disney Plus, they do put the cultural sensitivity disclaimer in front of it. And oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, this yeah, one they do. this one is not. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not really in the manner of speaking. I will say, in credit of this movie, it does not trade in any Indian stereotypes at all. Like as near as I can tell, right? Like Mowgli is not a stare. He doesn't depict He's any just a kind kid. of it because there's, it wouldn't there's no make sense ethnic for him background to. for him or any or no, any of the characters. No, he grew up out of the yeah out of society. I completely missed the fact that it was technically in India. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because if you don't say it, it could have taken place in either of the the. Like the African jungles or wherever, like it could have been in multiple right. places, even the South America. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I don't it, know about where the animals are usually at, but right. I mean, I mean you it, could tell to a degree based off the animal design because there are difference between Indian elephants and African elephants. With Indian elephants having smaller ears, also, more I of a point shed. Yeah, you never would have You could put them uh, so, next so you see to those. You also see some of the accurate. Uh, you also see some of the architecture. Shere Khan is modeled more off of a Bengal tiger. So there is some design yeah. uh, in terms of the animals, but you're right. If it's not something you think about as, as a kid who totally uh, had a collection of National Geographic magazines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the closest uh, I got was playing Zoo Tycoon. So. Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> that was, that was no, my but I animal mean, education. The, the problem, I think, with this characterization is, of course, that it is a uh, Indian person being played by a white child who is just giving a totally flat, like, uh, a American affect just like any like American child but it's being depicted so like that's not great and some of the other depictions are haven't really aged super well but this is aged a lot better than a lot of other stuff in Disney's yeah. early catalog you know well, like uh, there's the, just like yeah. an homage to what was already um, old at the time which is like the minstrel show yeah and like 
like so we don't have to do anything like this when we watch this movie but like christian had to talk to um his nephew about like depictions yeah and so like it's definitely like there we even if like i wouldn't have seen it uh like um as top of mind yeah yeah I mean, I will say as a child, I was not aware of any kind of discrepancy with this movie at all, even when I was aware of it in other movies. Like, I watched Dumbo at the time and was aware that some of those depictions weren't like sensitive yeah. you know mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm sure my mom educated well, and, like, me on lady it in the point, tramp like, is just like ouch lady in the tramp yeah my parents wouldn't let me oh, watch God, what that happens movie lady in the for tramp? that reason there are some really bad like asian stereotype Oof. it's characters. It's, it's the sign it, but if you take that scene out yeah uh are there still one or two scenes yes particularly in the home sweet home pound homage mm. but part of the film for lady in the tramp was it was meant to be as a film and not as the original book to symbolize immigration as a melting pot using dogs. Right. So that, so it, that goes into the concept of what is loving satire. But it was in also terms still. Of anthropomorphism. But it was still it, an era still of like Charlie Chan of, of like that. Yeah. And, and post Second War, which there was already political upheaval regarding immigration, especially from China at this time. Yeah. Which was, in 1957, when Laney the Tramp came out, was poor and with 1967 this is right after the peak of the civil rights era yeah so they were going to originally cast louis armstrong and then instead got louis prima who is italian and a prominent jazz artist and yeah. true to the traditions they even keep the louis prima uh, jazz funeral brigade which is common for jazz practices yeah. in new orleans so there are elements of fun and improvisation many of the sequences that were animated for the I Want to Be Like You song were from the Louis Prima recordings right. that they did they of, did, of the uh, musicians. I'm a swing dancer. They did have actual swing dancing moves. They did. Yeah, they yeah. Did. No, they they actually... did that. They had the Lindy Hop. It was great. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think this is entering an era when Disney animation is getting cheaper and like it's not quite the... The, the unfinished the, sketch the lines. of the, the car yes. thing of the, the, the car. Uh, it was so funny, like his tail getting caught and then him being all yeah. bent and stuff. and With like, the pipe organ into it. the sweet yeah. tire and then they reused even the same sound effects. They reuse the same sound effect and then they start reusing the same exact characters and animations in movies after this. Like the Robin Hood, like the Baloo and Little John animations are identical. The snake in that and Ka are identical. Even like the King jo- Richard or King John. Who, Prince John. Prince John, like who, where it's a different characterization but it is still kind of like a like an erudite British like whiny guy and you know? both like, of them yeah. were helped spearheaded by milk call for some of the animations right the, the head the milk j- call head jiggle to move the head in a 360 angle while talking yeah was a flex of milk call as an animator and yeah for sheer con i will say george sanders and milk call as a head animator give such a quiet dignity mm. to this villain role which we don't see in many of the villains prior there is a stillness and he ne- he rarely if ever gets mad the only time is when he attacks baloo and that is when he snaps in previous films with villains for disney films such as maleficent for example sure. or uh even queen grimhilda which is she's named the evil queen in snow white is named it's grimhilda apparently uh, <laughs> Yeah, we but... we do we don't see we see we get to see a villain who is a true hunter. Yeah, he's simply stalking. We don't even see him until 
over the halfway mark in the film, not even yeah. till the last third minute. Yeah. They just build him up of Shere Khan is coming. I thought it was really interesting how they use British voices to like to nod that this was India, but uh, like, uh, but like, in the, there's like some commentary on uh, colonialism and imperialism. Yeah, but it was just so it was it was really interesting uh, to have. Uh, I'm glad they had Shere Khan be a British person. Yeah, at the same time, you're just like yeah, uh, because he's so menacing. Um, but then you have the elephants, Colonel Hottie, Hottie. Yeah, um, and. Um, Again, which is like the the British uh, colonial powers being bumbling idiots. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting choice uh, that the Floridian animators uh, chose to do. And it, it was intentional because the other big characters all do kind of come across as American. I think Sebastian Cabot's got kind of like a transatlantic sort of uh, accent as Bagheera, but like, yeah, I love Bagheera. Bagheera is Bagheera. so great. Which, like, that, I mean, I feel like that's one of the things that I was most looking forward to this on the rewatch was watching Bagheera because Bagheera is such a perfect combination of uh, uh like uh put upon adults yeah and like i don't want to care about this child but i clearly care about this child right exactly yeah. the amount of times he said okay that's it you're on your own but the minute he hears he's in trouble if i shouldn't have left him let yeah. me go back sees that he's with baloo and oh a more incompetent adult than me I'm going to see how this plays out. Yeah, yeah, he's got this and, smugness. Yeah. yeah, he even seemed like at first he was like, no, he has to come with me. And then he's like, all right, sure. Let's see what you got. Yeah, why not? I already know what direction it's going to go, but... The, and, li- the line that follows the sequence after the monkeys, it happened. I, it took longer than I thought, but it happened. Blue, yeah. Blue screwed up. Let, yeah. me, let me go check on this. Now, where is Mowgli? But, I mean, Baloo really is the character that makes this movie pop, I think. Like, the whole film is kind of built around his vibe. necessities. Oh, come on. Such a bop. Uh, I'm learning the piano, and I've been practicing. Like, I can play it on slower tempos, but I can't can't play it at actual tempo yet. Yeah. Uh, And it's just so much fun yeah. and it's just such a delight to play um and the the song the it just you know it's a 57 year old movie and the song still bops yeah it's still fun it's still fun and, and like, i think i think you get good character growth from him too because at first like you can tell that he's still the same person the oh, same yeah. creature but then like you can see him having much more compassion and the 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 moment where he kind of kind of breaks down and says to Mowgli, like, look, you have to go back. Like, you can see, like, there was a lot of emotion there that you probably weren't expecting uh, from the character that you meet at the beginning. Right. Uh, when you're like, oh, okay, this seems to be just like a carefree bear. Uh, and then it's like, oh, no, this this bear cares a lot. Oh, yeah. the bear instantly cares. He's the first one in the line of fire <clears throat> towards mm-hmm. Shere Khan, which is also a big change of negligent which is something he's called out on early in the movie with the monkeys but when it comes to Shere Khan he's the first one there mm-hmm. moreover what I love about that that scene is just Bagheera and Baloo talking while Mowgli is asleep but Baloo puts him to bed you see the tenderness in the yeah. gesture and the following conversation is a moment in animation where you get to see them act you get to yeah. see everything in the film act of Mowgli has to go back. He won't listen to me. You have to do this because you need to think about someone other than yourself because you want him alive. 
Yeah, Baloo has really like expressive body language mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah. Like, he's rubbing his neck and he's just like mm-hmm. he's, he's clearly feeling miserable. The and, gesture like, under the net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of good uh, the the voice lines were good. You could feel it, you could see it. Um it was solid solid bit. And great voice acting. And again, we meant um uh, he's just like from an ad- a modern perspective you just feel like he's a john goodman type of character yeah yeah, yeah. which of course he would go on to be john goodman in the uh there, the there's sequel. a very long delayed sequel that came out in like 2003 yeah somewhere around there and it's it's john goodman and Haley joel osmond as baloo and mowgli mm-hmm. uh this one's been remade quite a bit actually so there's the 1994 version uh, the live action one with Jason Scott Lee, which I loved as a kid. I haven't seen it in years, but I've been kind of wanting to revisit that. I've been kind of wanting to, like, I remember loving that as a kid as well, and I just, I don't know if it holds up. Well, it's it's the, it's the a Stephen Summers film who did The Mummy and, yeah. like, really fun, really? entertaining, like, good, bad movies like that. So I feel like it might be fun. Mummy is not a bad movie. Mummy is a lot of fun. I mean, it's a good bad movie. Come on. It, it is not a okay, good bad movie. Okay, it's not. Oh, all right, let, let us not get distracted because we would distracted. be here all well, day. We will throw and down. Also I'm sorry, I besmirched to the mummy I in believe front of a bisexual person. If, <laughs> I know that's trial by death. I still haven't seen it. If this I'm film. not mistaken, we're going to have this conversation at a later date. We are. We are going to So have we can this. save it for then. We're going to need to keep ice packs on hand for Del- Delayed, delayed gratification. <laughs> yeah. We have three of those movies to go through. So yeah, you're going to be in trouble. And we've already done one. Yeah. Oh, oh. No, no, that was no, that's not part oh, of it. Right. That was the Tom Cruise one. Well, yeah, one. I know. I know. As I said, like, Oh, no, we got four. There's a Scorpion King game, too. Yeah, yeah we got to do that. That counts. It's going to be... Uh... Scorpion King is back. <laughs> Look, Scorpion King is back. I just know the effect shots for The Rock, and yeah, yeah they, were, they were bad. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll have to get into with that. <laughs> we'll get but... there. We'll get there. I do want to yeah, give no. one more shout-out, though, to prominent voice actor Sterling Holloway. Oh, yeah, he's Ka the Snake. Uh, sounds Ka exactly snake. like Scarlett Johansson, which is what I really <laughs> like about him. Most we, people we always, say that. We always would. But with, with Sterling Holloway, it's nice to see, even with these rise of new stars or prominent prominent actors Disney is still giving homage to some of its longer time voice actors oh, Sterling yeah. Holloway has been there since Dumbo so yeah, a yeah. good 20 years with the company yeah. is the stork he came back uh, for Lambert the Sheepish Lion for a couple of other shorts he did the Cheshire Cat for Alice in Wonderland Alice yeah. in Wonderland and then would do of course Winnie the Pooh which is the voice we all know and eventually would become Jim Cummings right yeah yeah, yeah. see I mean I mean yeah are oh. we gonna do Alice in Wonderland we are oh that's gonna be <gasps> interesting back. we're it's, talking Mary Blair it's gonna be rough which, because we're we're well that's the thing we're gonna do both we have to do the uh the 1950 original animated one and we have to do the Tim Burton one Oof. Do we have to do the okay. one, one of them is like I really love it, and then another one is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. And uh, guess which one is which? Yeah, hey. we'll find out. Yeah. I like how sometimes we can disagree and sometimes we agree. <laughs> you're, on, you're, on, you're on board on it'll, that one. It'll be you're interesting that? to yeah. see. Yeah, I um, have a hard time imagining people defending that movie, but we'll we'll get to it in time. I have a real problem with the costume design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's so self-indulgent. Anyway, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But well, at least the bears. So many conversations to have later. <laughs> the only thing that's self-indulgent in the Jungle Book, or at least looking back on it, is the ending. Oh yeah, which which is which yeah. is a per- which is a personal for me, only because she doesn't have a name. It's just the girl, and 
and that's okay. That's totally fine. She's just there. She gets a name. But it's yeah. it's that it's the this this actually sparked a huge controversy with parents mm. in uh, at at the end of films, or at least looking back on some of these older films with Disney in. I'm going to use the girl's name in the sequel, which is Shanti. Mm -hmm. So Shanti has been given multiple ages of criticism for the come hither sex stare <laughs> that, that, that she gives Mowgli, which Baloo calls out on. She did that on purpose, obviously, <laughs> uh, says Bagheera, which, which is one of the better jokes in the movie. But the concept of this female character is meant to be a siren as the reason that Mowgli goes back to the Van Village. So it's not Bagheera, it's not Baloo, the characters that we've been with the whole time. It's not even Mowgli himself recognizing he needs to see the sacrifices friends have made and recognize that the jungle is dangerous, having yeah. been nearly eaten in the first 10 minutes, trampled by elephants, destroyed by Shere Khan, struck by lightning none of this affects him presumably he girl. would have been eaten by Shere Khan as well but yeah Did, yeah no girl is girl 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 I've never seen one before how <gasps> yeah. I mean you know you have to admire how far Disney has come because like here we have a movie about preteen puberty at the end that caused like an uproar with parents and then just last year we had Turning Red which is a movie that is expressly about menstruation and I didn't and hear beautiful. anybody complain about it like that's great <laughs> I think that's was actually a Was this a Disney progress. film? Yeah, Turning Red is awesome. Pixar, yeah. it's great. It's yeah. by the same director who made Bow, which was the short right before Incredibles Bao. 2. Bow was really the, good, yeah. This, I, yeah, I, I'm not a big Pixar person, mostly just because I haven't seen many of them. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Turning um, Red is, I, I recommend it. Yeah, fully that, under great. the radar. Like, if you said a name of a Pixar movie, I probably am aware of it existing. Uh, Pixar is This doing, was one I didn't know. Uh, theatrical releases of Turning Red, Luca, and... Soul. Soul. Yeah. Are they? And, uh, yeah, coming up, I think starting in March, I want to say. And I think I'm, so. I haven't seen Turning Red, uh, and I love Luca. I've, I haven't seen any of them. I've seen Luca five times. I am crazy Luca about Luca. Yeah, that's delightful. what I need to see again. I watched it once and, like, didn't really retain much if, of it. I liked it. If you're like, a fan yeah. of Porco Rosso or many of the yeah. Studio Ghibli films yeah. or Kiki's Delivery Wait, Service, yeah. which Luca is of a similar vibe. Which one's Luca? It's Luca the Italian boy who turns yeah. into a sea monster okay yeah no, and there's very like it. and there's definitely lovely queer vibes yes like that they i feel like the luca is one of the few um shows that actually show queer pre-adolescent love in a genuine way because like you're just it's not like you guys are macking on each other it's just like you're obsessed with each other yeah uh, and new best friend why yeah. is my new best friend needing another new best friend i'm the best friend i'm the best friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it is it, it truly is honest honest jealousy and that and that i think leads me to why the jungle book as an adult i enjoy it as a kid i thought it was fun but looking back and watching this for the first time, and, and not even scene by scene as I've done for some of my research, but as a full film, it is a movie about parenting. Sure, yeah. And as, yeah. And as an older adult, I find it more relatable looking at Baloo and Bagheera simply trying to help Mowgli do what's, do what's best for the kid. They do kind of settle onto a, almost a three men and a baby dynamic. They except, do. Except, you know, there's only mm -hmm. two and neither of them are men. And the baby is a man. But otherwise... Well, they did ask, <laughs> hey, it. would you... You wouldn't yeah. marry a panther, would you? Yeah. They asked. There was a proposal. Yeah, there was a proposal. That's true. There was a proposal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I still find this movie so, like... 
I would stay painless and ship. sweet and just easy I, to watch. So I really adore this movie, but I do feel like it's front loaded. I yeah. feel like the first half is just yeah. like an absolute classic. I yeah. feel like the second half is just like meandering. It, it's a little until meandering. we get to Shere well, Khan. Vulture, like the the set pieces were so prominent. Yeah, and then the vultures were just sort of like. Um, they didn't really land this time. I loved him as a kid just because I used to like to do the, oh, no, don't start that again. Like, I just used to say that all the time. To yeah, my, my brother and I would do that siblings. in the car. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I appreciated any opportunity to become more annoying, uh, which uh, I still look for. Points uh, for George life. Sanders, though. Yeah. Hitting the low notes. Was that him singing? Yes, it oh, was. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. That was he, pretty good. He, he had a wonderful growl. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's, that's, uh, yeah, I don't think I could do that. No, I, I or, certainly can't. Or, no, can't even get close. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I just, I find this movie just like effortless and charming and fun. Like you run a risk when I, you make, oh yeah. So one of the things that I'm just like, uh, every time I watch one of these older Disney movies, I'm just arrested by how beautiful the animation is. Oh, the backgrounds are stunning. And I was stunning. constantly like, I was just looking at them and I'm just like, this is so stunning. And the characterization of the characters in the animation is just so lively and beautiful yeah and it's just like i don't know um like i was mentioning luca and a lot of other modern animation and they're good but they just seem to lack the characterization of early animation and yeah that i really do miss well, it's, yeah. it's, it's not cell animation and it's which did fell off the train by 1994 for some companies 1997 98 Don Bluth is one of the last for cell animation and that was with Pebble and the Penguin oh, so yeah. right here around this time in 1967 we're also seeing the beauty of not only Xeroxing which they do with 101 Dalmatians and you see this rough sketch style the unfinished lines this is a film that when you look at it you know it was hand drawn yeah and that is an imperfection a messiness that I miss about animation oh absolutely anymore. yeah no i always loved seeing the little scritches or the repeated animations or things like that I, a it made me feel clever as an annoying little kid and i was always <laughs> looking for ways to be more annoying but also just like you know yeah there there is a little bit more care and craft that goes into it and yeah no i think there you run a risk with a movie like this when you are being hip uh, or, or attempting to be hip or attempting to speak to the culture. But I think they walked a line here and made it kind of um, more of a time capsule because I think by the time this movie came out, this sort of like hipster jazz swinger kind of cool was already passe. Like I think they were already kind of making Have fun you, of it. Um, Shel Silverstein had an entire song called I Had Another Espresso uh, making fun of the, the bebop the, scene. The bebop scene. He has an entire <laughs> album inside my folk songs. It's all making fun of the hip hop scene, the bebop scene in New York. Uh, and this would have been around 19. Ooh, 66? Yeah, okay. so this would have been right around the time where it was starting to I don't to know if we're thinking of the same thing, because I don't, I don't know her name, but there is definitely a video of a 1960 uh, like female comedian making fun of jazz oh, and yeah. bebop, and it's hilarious. So um, I'll try to dig that up for y'all. Uh, but Kate it's, Thompson? Maybe. Uh, I, 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 when I watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I went back and I looked oh, YouTube over everybody who was mentioned and um, mentioned it. Um, so uh, I, I think she was in uh, mentioned in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, yeah. but I'll, I'll look it up. Um, but um, Justin, did you watch this as a child? So th this is where it gets interesting because I probably did. 
but my memory of my childhood is mostly gone. So if I did, I wouldn't know. Gone okay. at 28? Um, mm. Yeah. So young. Uh. <laughs> um, and so it's the same thing with like, I know I watched The Lion King as a kid. At some point, I had to have. Yeah. But the only memory I have of watching it was watching it in French in French class in high school. Oh, interesting. You um, watched The Lion King in French? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so, like, and I also, I know I have definitely seen the second one mm-hmm. because I fully remember John Goodman's voice being related to The Jungle Book. Um but uh, I genuinely couldn't tell you like how or where. But I was like, isn't when I asked, I asked before I watched the movie, like, hey, just want to make sure what year is the one that we're watching? Because like, oh, yeah, mm. I'm seeing 1967 and I don't think John Goodman was performing at no. that. I don't think he was acting at that no, point. No. So but uh, <laughs> a side note, do yourself a favor and look up young John Goodman. If you just want to like a big slice of man meat. Um, yeah, In, he was a model. People, what, what does what? a he big a slice of man meat mean? Look up just everybody at home. Look up a young John Goodman. It will right be now. linked in the yeah. description. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're you gonna... didn't mention this during uh, um, Blues Brothers 2000. Oh no, I guess it never came up. Yeah, no, yeah, look, look, look him up. He was in some advertisements like when he was very young. Uh, he was in a Foot Locker commercial. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, like, oh. yeah, right. <laughs> that hair. That hair. He, he had, had hair? The, He had the jawline. He had the yeah. He yeah. always had hair. What? Yeah, yeah. Almost Not looks like bad. John Denver. <laughs> he does look like John Denver. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope people at home are looking along because, yeah, he, he was a slice. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Did you guys see the 2016, the live action, hair, heavy the air quotes live action? money? Yeah. It was the one, last film I saw, and then I boycotted the rest of the live action. This one hurt me well, see, so this, deeply. And this is the one that has, like, the good reputation. Like, critically, critics liked the, the live action Jungle Book. I haven't, I didn't, I didn't get the appeal at all. Like, it looked very fakey to me. It felt like it had all the joy and all the energy kind of sucked out of it. And it was just like watching a little boy. No. Yes. Well, kind of. Bare necessities. And they did it with Bill Murray like as muttering Blue, it. Muttering the song. Mowgli asked, what are you doing? I'm singing a song because this is what bears do. And it was put into the film. And yeah, kudos for Terry, uh, for Terry getting his song back in. It's the only non-Sherman Brothers song of the original movie that was kept from the first production. So yeah. great for legacy. Yeah. I will, I will give the film this. A couple of good things. One, it is incredibly hard for any actor to work with CGI for the entire film. Yeah. So kudos to the kid actor for doing his best. I don't remember his name, but good for him for trying. Yeah. Thing number two, full orchestra for sure. the soundtrack. And I, um, George Burns, while he's not always the most sophisticated po- composer and quoted to have watched only one Indian film uh, for the making of this score, I do think the bass flute solo and clarinet in the opening credits are hauntingly beautiful as a melody. So to have heard that in theaters with a full orchestra revamped with the speakers was beautiful for for me. All right. Uh, So points there. The rest of the film. Christopher Walken. 
Wait, Christopher Walken was in this movie? He was King Walken? Louis. Oh, oh, that's right. It was a choice. Uh, Mowgli picked up a cowbell <laughs> in the ancient oh, ruins on his way to you see had, him. You had, uh, and he tries it, to speak, sing, I want to be like you. It does not work. It's weird. Yeah, like the, the voice cast is good. Like Scarlett Johansson is Ka, Idris Elba is Shere Khan. Oh, that's like, why you mentioned yeah, it. That's oh, why Idris Elba is Shere Khan yeah. did work. So some of the voice acting worked. There were a couple of things story-wise uh, that didn't work for me. Part, most of them are adaptation. Some of them are tone. Yeah. In that we start with the law of the jungle, which is part of the book and the concept that there's the peace rock. When there's a drought, everybody's got to live in peace. So we do see Shere Khan as part of the community. No yeah. one likes him, but there's already this threat that if the entire jungle is a danger, we will put this aside because everyone deserves water. Yeah. Everyone deserves to live. And this tone, I thought, great. Okay, we're setting already the darkest tone. We're using more elements of the book that weren't established in the previous anime adaptation. We're seeing Shere Khan a lot sooner to see his threat to the rest of the community. Promising. Yeah. And then we got to the end of the film in which there's an entire forest fire. Yeah. And Mowgli takes no responsibility Sure. whatsoever i mean this is for, all new to me like i for I, the forest fire this movie fell out of my brain you retained this so much better you, than i again did. It, it hurts me i, I saw this it. in yeah. theaters and with with my friend karen at the moment i thought i i just uh, i i gave uh, I, I, I gave know. some of these a try i gave some i think the one that broke me uh, like fully and finally was uh lion king because that's i didn't watch the lion king because like uh the yeah. cgi animals were just a little bit like uncanny valley for me it, that, it looks like dog that's shit. also the it's thing with so animation yeah. that works so well Mowgli looks as if he lives in the same world in 2d yeah and it's the same thing for beauty and the beast that's why the live action of beauty and the beast scares me it it is un, you're right an yeah. uncanny valley bell does not belong in the same world with these enchanted objects it feels fake yeah there's something about 2d in which yeah. everything is rendered with the same quality and craftsmanship that even though Yes, they are magical. Yeah. They exist in the same world because there is fluidity of the design. This weird this weird obsession with making things look realistic it just kind of baffles you me. Don't... I think we should be making things look weirder. You I know? always think it's and, really sorry, sorry, No, it's it's something that's very commonly discussed in in relation to animation and stuff. And it's that uh the uncanny valley only happens when they're tr when it's supposed to look real. But if you have an art style that doesn't, that looks real, that that is believable but not realistic, yeah, uh, it's, you're not going for photorealism. You're not going for completely accurate. You get that suspension of disbelief that prevents the uncanny valley from happening because then you're like, oh yeah, I know this isn't a real lion. I know this isn't a real person. This isn't a real cat. Uh, the the little issues with like the animation and motion and stuff, as long as they're not terrible, yeah. kind of get blended in and you don't notice it as much. And that's why uh, so many. That's why it's only you. That's why it, I, there, I have words in my brain. I don't know the order to put them in. That's all. But uh, but basically, the if you're trying to be photo real, do it with like real stuff yeah. uh, stuff that uh, unless you are you have the crack team and you're really going to town on it yeah pick an the, art style that isn't photorealism the little mermaid 
the bird that was supposed to be Scuttle. Scuttle. I actually didn't mind the movie, but the Scuttle bird bothered me so much. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen one. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Uh, they chose a different bird. They chose a bird that dives instead of having a seagull. Oh, I thought pelican. you were about to say dive. No, not like, a pelican. They chose a dead bird. No. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Hackett couldn't make it. And yeah. it was just like, uh, it, was a, it was a funky looking, and the same, the crab was very funky looking. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sebastian, um, and um, yeah, I feel like the Uncanny Valley, and that's why I didn't watch The Jungle Book. Um, not the Jungle Book or the Jungle Book or the Lion King yeah. remake because it was just like I don't know just defeats um, the purpose and it's it like, sucks the kind of joy and the, the energy that's out of the it. thing about Pixar is that when they they have art styles and they, they deviate from them sometimes but the main point is like throughout Finding Nemo the you were never like oh that doesn't look right you were like okay we're these are animated fish doing stuff but still it was close enough to being real that yeah. your your mind well, was like i'm in this this looks like this looks like a fish yes. and i will say the jungle book the the and does they do look like the animals they do look like the bears they even brought uh back i think his name is taki the little jackal briefly okay. uh who is the uh, sidekick more so to share con. Okay. And uh, but with again, my my hangerings are all adaptation with if you're only taking the first part of the book, the arc for Mowgli is he goes back to the man village. That that's the end. And yeah. in the adaptation he does not go back to the man village. And that that sense of destruction it's the concept that you're seeing yourself as an adult to take responsibility if the theme of the jungle book is taking responsibility especially with firearms as that's the danger i did not get this yeah from from this newer film it yeah, tried yeah. to set that tone and it didn't land now mind well, you and mind to the audience i only saw this film once i saw it in theaters the year it came out i've seen a couple of scenes from it hence yeah and have personally chosen to step back from it for similar reasons as this is an argument that i i know i'm wasting my life fair so it's really interesting because i do think this is an argument and i don't know whether or not it's our generation um, responding to these new movies, which are ridiculously popular. Yeah, like, they're these so movies successful. have made so much money, and part of it is Why? like, well, and and that's the thing is like, is there just uh, and some of people say there's just not enough uh, programming for children, so that you put out like Cartoon Saloon, Breadwinner, Secret of the Kells. Please, kids get kids get they're, bored you, watching my, that my stuff. I'm Father's Dragon, yeah. Studio Ghibli. No, like they, I, they're so there are great even ones. Like, Boots, The Last Wish, Ditto. That was, that was a good movie. Yeah. I was impressed. Uh, but uh, it, it is interesting because you're just like it, you do wonder like maybe we just don't have the child's eye anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I just I really like. I give myself new... more credit as a child though. <clears throat> I I really like the new animation is going in the opposite direction. Like. Uh, Lego Movie, Spider Man, things like that, where yeah. they are removing frames. They're yeah, making the cross it look, cut like anime. Yes. They let you live in it a little more. They let you see things more clearly, and uh, it's much more stylistic and interesting. Uh, let's move on to the game here because we will go down so many more rabbit holes here with all this. Uh, and we do still have a game to talk about. The Jungle Book game surprisingly came out all the way in 1994, so 
Well, actually, no, I was going to say this is the biggest gap between movie and game, but we already talked about Vertigo, which is <laughs> oh, a God. massive, massive gap. That's yeah, like a but 60 can we... something year gap. Um, but this one came out in July of 1994. Can developed... confirm better than Vertigo. Yes, yeah, developed by Eurocom and published <laughs> by Virgin Interactive. Uh, this was released on Genesis, Super NES, NES, Game Boy, Game Gear, and DOS. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, again, with the Disney movies, I feel like we're not going to have a whole lot to say about the actual game because it is more or less what you expect. It's more or less of the quality that you'd expect. I think the interesting thing about this one here is just that it came out at all. Like mm-hmm. this move, the that um, you know, this movie was still popular in the '90s. Like, and mostly what was popular for gamers at this time were video game adaptations of games like uh, Aladdin and The Lion King. They were huge, huge, huge bestsellers. Disney kind of seemed to crack the formula with that. And a lot of people, we'll, we'll talk about them, but a lot of people still talk about those games as some of the best game to movie adaptations of all, or movie to game adaptations of certainly. all time. Mm-hmm. Like they're definitely, like Aladdin and, and certainly is in the conversation yeah. for that. Um, they found a formula that works. DuckTales is the same formula. DuckTales is the this, same. This yeah, duck- game of run, jump, throw things, avoid the baddies. Yeah. Every other level you have a checkpoint with one of the larger characters. Yeah. And you move on. I mean, this was a time, so I think those games were so popular that they made game versions of both The Jungle Book and Pinocchio, which we're going to get to. There is a there's a game based on from 1995 or 96 based on the 1940 41? Pinocchio film. So oh like, God. yeah, so like they, they were trying to bring that back. And I think it's a smart enough idea. I do say, I will say like, I think this move game is perfectly competent. It looks really nice. It's, it's decently fun to play. I would say it did not grab me the way Aladdin or uh, Lion King did, or the, even the Toy Story game. You know, I've played a lot of I, these and this one kind of falls into the cracks. For and me. now I guess my question is, have you played those more recently? Yeah. Yeah. I've, okay. I, I, I know I, you've played uh, some stuff for the podcast and. Every, every interest, once but... in a while, I'll dust off like Aladdin and like okay. try that out again, and it's gotcha. still pretty solid. Yeah, because I was going to say, you had a stronger attachment to those films. I definitely kid? did, but like I also think this—I don't know. There's, there's feels like there's just something missing in this game. It feels like maybe it's a little too empty, or or there, there's something I can't quite put my finger on that just doesn't make this one stand out for me. I had a lot of fun playing it, and Good. I really liked the animation and the looseness of the animation. Yeah. Really felt like uh, like Mowgli had a way of like throwing his arms around in the movie yeah. that they captured in the uh, when he does somersaults. His mock boxing. Yeah, his yeah, mock boxing. Yeah. And I found that so charming. It I found was. it incredibly With charming. With the frog like straddle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I really liked the animation. I think it's bright and colorful. And yeah, everything here works perfectly fine. I just, maybe it just feels very similar to a lot of other games at this time. Whatever yeah. reason, there were a lot of jungle games around this time, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the, the Monkey Island? Monkey Island. Yeah. I, I played a, a Pitfall a lot when I was a kid. That was like kind of, it was the, the Genesis updated version of Pitfall. So it was like a set in ruins and jungles like this, you know, so... There were just a lot of games like this around this time, and this one didn't really do. I don't think it does anything what? wrong, but it doesn't do anything that makes it. What year was out. Lion King? Ninety four, June yeah. ninety four. Yeah, yeah. And so when did when did the Lion King game come out? Same time. Same time. Yeah. Okay. Time. Yeah. It would be so was that before or after this? I think that was. A, it would have been around the same time as this. I think maybe a little after. Okay. I was say because same this year one kind of spread least, out but... like from like uh, late. 
uh, what did I say? I said October, right? Yeah, Disney was yeah. hitting all the markets this year in 94. Mm-hmm. Lion King oh, was July. around. Yeah. Uh, we have, okay. we have yeah, a new video game sector also in 94. This is Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. we are hitting every entertainment market that Disney can cash in on with any of the Renaissance films. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a smart enough idea. I understand it. I mean, it's, it's just what is really the mechanic here that makes this unique i feel like all of the rest of them have it and this one also suffers because like in those other games and i I started to compare it to games that we haven't actually played even on the show but just like for people who have the cultural awareness of those games you you have a variety of levels things get like weird like in aladdin you go inside the lamp and it's all wacky and cartoonish and crazy you know this one you're pretty much just in the jungle Oh, you know, you're it going doesn't, through the story beats. It, it doesn't deviate think, much. Yeah, the, the movie itself doesn't leave the jungle often, you know? And mm-hmm. so you, you might go to, like, the ruins or something or, like, a, a different time of day, but... I feel like the the later levels, we didn't play them all, but we did watch be- bits of them all. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the later levels did a better job of mixing things up because there was one uh, leading up to King Louis that seemed to be a little more deserty and... There was more like yellow tones and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the first two levels were maybe even three were almost completely identical and interchangeable. I had such fun playing them. Though. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like the the junk like they didn't um, like it was deadly, but it wasn't insanely deadly. The, yeah. Uh, you, it was you an given, achievable game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the main thing about it was that there was no jank. No, uh, no it, it played smooth. smooth. There was no especially from games around this time and before, there was a lot of just clunkiness in the games. Yeah, for sure. That this absolutely didn't have. Yeah. Isn't that a good uh, thing? It is. No, no, yeah, no it it's is. Very good. That this did, like, it didn't have a lot that made it pop, but it didn't have any glaring flaws. No, no, that's the thing. Yeah, it didn't really... Uh, no, it, there, there, it doesn't do anything particularly interesting, but it also doesn't do anything deadly. It's a serviceable game. I don't know. I thought, the, I thought traveling on the elephant was really fun. It was cute to I travel. Oh, yeah, we should mention that. We played two very different versions. The, the Super NES and Genesis versions of this game are quite different. Like, they're they're basically the same game, but the level designs are entirely different, di- different color animations and everything. So... Yeah, I think I don't think the elephant part was in the Super Nintendo one. I think that was only in the Genesis version. Yeah, I think we most we may have skipped all of the third level when we looked through. So unless it was in there, yeah. but well, and we you know so like if you're deciding which version of this to play, you know like the Genesis version seemed to be a bit of a stronger thing. And I think we were playing it right because we were doing it on a handheld with the volume off because Genesis music always sounds worse than Super <laughs> Nintendo music. They had a worse sound processor, so uh, it's always just a little shrill. Unless you want an 8-bit Bare Necessities in your head on repeat. It's pretty cute. But, it's a pretty cute little uh, like, I do, composition. Uh, there was also, like, they had buttons and they used them. So, like, you had uh, the throw banana and you had the jump on the Genesis version. But then you also had two dance buttons. Yeah. <laughs> because they're which like, we were missing, for yeah, sure. Which, which could... I think is just, like, a cute little thing of, like, look, this controller has four buttons. Yeah. Well, why not use them? Yeah, why not? Just do it. You could use Mowgli's underwear as a parachute. <laughs> yeah, that was very those, cute. Those red bottoms, they... Where did he get this cloth? Yeah. We never see where he retrieves this cloth. Yeah, or that animals have this sense of modesty about him. But you know, hey, whatever. I I don't. Yeah, I, I do not. I would not rather that he. Other didn't have it. than later when uh, 
uh, bear whose name I have forgotten. Baloo. Baloo. When Baloo <laughs> disguises himself. Baloo is blue. Oh, I watch Tailspin all the time. I love Tailspin. What a fucking weird concept Tailspin. for a Tailspin. show Tailspin. in Baloo retrospect. Baloo is a jump pilot. He does a cargo yeah. out of Cape Zuzette. Shere Khan is a capitalist tycoon business owner. King Louie runs a tiki what? bar. What was and they all live the it's same town. Tailspin. It's in the same world as DuckTales. And he had and such a freaking slap. Boss slash girlfriend. Like, yeah. you know, they, it's, oh, Becky? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Becky. Becky. They, her, they, they named her Becky. He had a weird, he had like this, well, because they based her off line. of Kirstie Alley on, uh, on Cheers. <gasps> that like, makes so much they sense. They based her model around around that same character. Yeah, your so she was Rebecca. engineer lion who would eventually be Arwen on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same actor, but certainly the same archetype. Right. Uh, yeah. There's the kid who wind oh, surfs behind the planes. He's got yes. this little like hydrofoil skateboard. Like yes. it was the weirdest show. But it worked, it. and it made mm-hmm. no sense for the uh, oh. Jungle Book characters to be in that. But uh, it was absolutely, it was absolutely charming. And there was also the Jungle Book Cubbies, uh, the one with Baloo, Shere Khan, Bagheera, oh, I don't and know King Louis as kids. Is this when they were babies? Yes. Oh my god! Wow. So, the Jungle Cubs. The Jungle Cubs. Wow. This never was heard on. Of this. Yes, Supposedly. with Jason Marsden. Uh, Marson? Marson? Who's Max? Yeah. Poison. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, it is uh, the right. Who eventually be Kovu in Lion King 2 Simba's is... Pride. A true great movie. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. There's a, a reboot in development of that. Yeah. Uh, f- for Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the reboot of DuckTales was awesome. So, yeah. And they I already did a crossover that. episode in DuckTales with Cape Suzette. Yeah. They did. For for it and it was it was great i'm still waiting on the darkwing duck reboot but that's okay darkwing duck yeah there's trouble they call bw i fully missed all of these you missed the 90s what about chippendale rescue rangers no i i was the i and it's been mentioned previously i think on this podcast i was really confused when i was like wait what what is Chippendales and what is Chippendale? Yeah. When you got home from school, what TV shows did you watch? Uh, when I was like Law and Order. Oh, wow. <laughs> you got home at 3.15. And instead of Disney Afternoon, you watched Court uh, Well, because we, did, we didn't have many TVs to then. Like, I didn't have. It was there was the one and it was like. What are we going to do? And technically, me and my sister weren't supposed to be watching TV. We were supposed to be doing our homework in the dining room. And so uh, Law & Order would be on the TV, and we'd be listening to Law & Order. Okay. Okay. That explains so, it. We were uh, watching Bears uh, Fly Cargo, and you were watching uh, Murders Being did, Solved did it, uh Did it feed into my eventual paranoia? Maybe. Could have done. Uh, yeah. I've watched a lot of SVU, especially was one that was just like, all right, that's a whole different world. Um, I have still to d- learned some things as a kid. This, this <gasps> shocks Connage. people. This, this shocks this shocks people. I've still to this day never seen a single frame of Law and Order. I've never watched an episode of Law and Order of any version. So never seen yeah. it. It's a big cultural gap for me. I don't. Mm, I somehow just always missed it. I feel like. Yeah, that might be better. It you. might be better. Yeah. There's too many episodes. There's too many episodes, and there's a lot of like shockingly like pro cop stuff. Like sure. in SVU, one of the main detectives for the early seasons tends to get a little rough during his interrogations, uh, and it's always just kind of brushed off. Like, oh, he's always like that, and you're just like, oh, he just smashed that dude against the wall. 
Hey, it was the 90s. It was fine. <laughs> but we're talking about Law & Order now, so we should probably wrap things up here. Yeah. That's a sign. Instead of, instead of smashing you know, people against the wall, we could go back to Don Carnage and Sky Pirates. And here's, here, here's the thing. I mean, you know, I feel like we're going to have so many of these Disney episodes. I'm okay that we go a little off topic, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm great with that. It's going to circle back. Add uh, back to the fans. But I do want to move on to our rankings because we also have a letter this week, which is very Ooh. exciting. So. I was told this existed. Yeah, let's move on to our, our rankings. Each week we rank the games and movies based on our scale of good movie to good 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 movie good game bad movie bad game or various combinations in between i feel like this is a pretty easy good movie good game i mean i think this is kind of a slam dunk across the board even though i have reservations with this compared to other disney games of the era it's still totally solid and very playable um how about y'all uh yeah, I thought it was uh I thought it was a good movie, a fun movie. Uh I thought the game was good. I mean, I think as we there wasn't really many negatives. Yeah. And so that definitely puts it over the just being a game category that I use often. There so. you go. Uh how about you, Jimin? I almost had a be- a bear pun. It disappeared. Oh, it's hybrid is it hibernating? It's barely good. <laughs> I can't say that because I think it's really. Are you I say think it's, it's a bear good. necessity. It's a bear necessity. <laughs> this is a bear necessity for every child to watch. Uh, this but- is getting grisly. All right. Oh. I think it's a good movie and a good game. And um, I love to be contrary, but can't, I can't. It's a good movie, a good game. Yeah, yeah. You want to come in and have a hot take on it. But it's like, you know what? These are pretty, uh, these are these are going to be pretty consistently strong across the board. Yeah. And it just made me miss the colors of, like, of early Disney animation. Uh, that's, like, the vibrancy yeah. of the colors. I just, mm-hmm. I, I just, it made me feel <clears throat> nostalgic and also about the bangers disney used to have and i think it's especially something interesting now that we're in an era where a large amount of tvs being sold they're like hdr capable and stuff where you can have much bigger ranges of colors in productions and i feel like it's not taken advantage of nearly as much as it should be especially for animation it's true yeah i bring back primary colors i'm just saying yeah it doesn't have to be drab no it does not or you don't have to use Blu-ray to take rid of the colors with Cinderella. Her dress is silver, but yeah. due to the Blu-ray restoration and trying to update it for this new era of technology, many of the colors and the textures of the film are stripped away. So yeah. it is Oof. nice to see some things still preserved. So serviceable for both good game good movie if you want something for a good two hours or less than of your time depending on your mobility with video games i know this is a game that would take me hours only because i'm terrible at jumping onto rocks (laughs) that's fair (laughs) you're not the only one at this table because i'm included as well and jban famously hates it so but if you got an afternoon you want to watch something in your background or your kitchen or have some some downtime this is a pretty great one this is this is a great afternoon and if your kids haven't seen the movie it's probably a a movie to watch absolutely All right, well, we have a letter this week, and I feel bad. I have not, like, promoted that we have an email that you can send stuff to for a long time. Somebody found it. Yeah, Podcast at gmail.com. You can send us emails. We're also on Instagram. You can send us stuff there. We're always happy to read it. This one says, hey, gang, you've become one of my favorite weekend listens. Aww. Since the show has developed such a rich backstory over your 20-year history, <laughs> let's look back. Steve, any thoughts on revisiting the Bond franchise? 
Jayban, any thoughts on revisiting Vertigo the game? And Justin, any thoughts on Buckethead? And for all of us, he asks, I'm watching Raising Arizona right now. Any idea how to make that into a game? That is from Vince. Thank you so much, Vince. That's a lovely letter. Um, lovely. I, I will start us off. So he's, he's asking about revisiting the Bond franchise for those uh, who don't know who I am. No, I... <laughs> I used to I used to have a podcast called Ultra 64 where we would play uh, every video game in a series. And our Patreon show, which is uh, patreon.com slash ultra64pod, you can still find that. We would do deep dives into series, into franchises. So it was almost like the sort of the precursor for this show here. And we did do a whole mini series where we played every single James Bond game. And so I will be coming back to those games, many of them, uh, for this show. Uh, I'm excited to replay most of them. You know, I, I think yeah. everybody's excited to hear the GoldenEye so, episode. Anytime I tell anybody the concept of this show, they say, oh, so you're going to play GoldenEye. I was a child in the 90s um, and my family uh, we were poor so we got a lot of our movies from the library yeah mm-hmm. and one year or we all of us children I believe I was 11 we decided to watch every single bond movie yeah and in every single bond movie in a uh, in a bid for uh, what is now not politically correct, we would all bet uh, how many <laughs> men, women that he would sleep with and how many women of he'd sleep with would die. Uh, I did this when oh, I was 11. A... What was the highest count? Uh, a lot. I think it was like 7-2. Uh, but I just there, like, yeah. and whoever won in my family we'd, uh, would get a candy bar, a 50-cent candy bar. I mean, uh, and my parents knew nothing about this. Okay. The they knew nothing about this. They might have been scamming you because you can figure out that formula pretty easily the first woman he meets he always sleeps with and she dies and then the second one is the one not, not always. always not always sometimes like you get world is not enough where it's well, we'll he get often that. sleeps with a throwaway woman at the beginning yeah and the second woman he sleeps with dies yeah, the, well, the throwaway woman. Yes. Oftentimes they'll show him with the throwaway woman, and she'll be revealed to be the bad guy. And then, but he knew all along, and he nailed her anyway. You know, so like there, there are very recognizable patterns, especially I, in those and older I'm so, Bond like, movies. We talk about things that I'm so worried about watching. I, I loved the Bond franchise. I still love so the much. And I love some of the woman, Bond franchise. <laughs> I, as a woman, I know, like even as like an 11 year old, I knew that Bond manhandling these women oh, yeah. were inappropriate. Oh my god! Yeah, like, wildly inappropriate. Well, and it was just like Roger Moore was the most physical. It was just really funny because he's supposed to be the nicest uh, actor to play Bond. Right. Um, but but he yeah, he was like throwing women all over the place. It was, I don't know. Like, and, and so I'm really interested when we do end up starting down oh, me too. Uh, the Bond path. We're, we're going to get into all those. And I think the way to approach those, since there are so many of them, and uh, we might break them up by Bond actor. I think that's a good idea. That might be the best way to go because yeah. there are some for every Bond actor except George Lazenby, I think. So, um, Which yeah. one was Lazenby? Lazenby was only, he only played it once. It was in 1969 and on Her Majesty's Secret, Secret Service. Service. Was that the one with the plane? They, they all have planes. They all have planes. Yeah. Uh, there, there was like a little jet plane. <laughs> they oh, all have little jet planes. I, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of um, the little helicopter from Thunderball or the little jet plane from Octopussy? I think, I think it might yeah. be that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He does that a lot. Uh, it's yeah. been a while, but like five, six years ago, I sorry, it's you only live twice. Them, but... You only live twice, not Thunderball. Okay. Yeah. I am so sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, but apologize. yeah, no, we apologize, Vince. <laughs> yes. to, to answer the question, Vince, uh, I I am excited to get back to those. I think. Oh, and fun. how raising Arizona would be like. I thought it would be really cute if it was a dating sim. Oh, uh, I like that pitch. 
Yeah, seduce a cop. <laughs> be more charming. Press B to be more charming. <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen. Should I see Raising Arizona? Oh yes, God, yes. yes. It's Nick, so good. Nick Cage and Helen Hunter. Yeah. No, Holly Hunter. Holly yeah. Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toge- together at last. I keep wanting to call her Helen because of Incredibles, which is where I first heard. Oh, Helen heard Parr. Of- yeah, she's Helen, Helen in Incredibles. Parr. Yeah. I I love the idea of a dating simulator. I was thinking in line with the Jungle Book uh, as a parenting movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the the how to be a parent. Yeah. It's a Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> mini game on parenting. Oh my God! Right? You could absolutely do that. I mean, that's. That's the question with that raising Arizona get question is like, are we because are that, they ready to be parents? What does it mean to be a parent? Well, no, I mean just in terms of like thinking up a game because there are two kind of uh, theories with uh, video game adaptations. It's either is it made currently when the game or the movie is new and so it's on consoles from the eighties, or is it made now as a tribute? to that you know so mm. you could do the dating sim now i think back in the day you would do like a spy hunter thing where you're like <laughs> have to pick up diapers and like drive on the road and like yeah, every once in a while john goodman will come out and yell at you and then he'll be hot in the 70s and you'll be all confused by it and yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you have know. to go through the pipe out of the jail as one of the extra yeah side you'll levels. you'll slow down a whole podcast have everybody look at photos of young john goodman <laughs> like it's you know, press B to slow down your own podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, get just, lost in the furniture store with this five, this the quit the quintet of children. Yes. Um, uh, so wait to ask about uh, Vertigo. Vertigo. Are you ever revisiting Vertigo the game? I might. Really? I, I, I thought about it. I really have thought about it, but it just like it would be such a hate play. It was just I was filled with so much hate. Why were you filled with so much hate? <laughs> it is literally. The, you watch the listen to the episode. Not yet. Not the, yet. But that's because I did my thesis on noir, so I've I've oh. cut Hitchcock cold so turkey for a while until so I fully recovered. There's a trend in modern games that uh, it's a kind of a subset of games where it's uh, almost like. Uh, Quantic Dream does a bunch of them with like heavy rain and stuff. But yeah, you uh, you play a, you play characters. Sometimes you're shifting between different characters, but you basically just like walk around and press buttons to interact with things. Okay, and there might like be LA like Noir. All right, yeah, like La Noir. I love that and game. So, cool. Uh, except this game, other than being called Vertigo and having like some minor character traits. Carryover had yeah. nothing else. Uh, had nothing to do with actual movie Vertigo, other than the guy is a detective and he has Vertigo. That's it. <laughs> That's really it. That's is kind it, of isn't it. that all you He's need? not even a detective. He's an author. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, no. Yeah. That's right. He's a mystery writer. Or not even an ex-policeman. No. And it has no. that evil woman, cr- evil crazy woman trope that yeah. just drove me wildly angry. Like, yeah. I don't. I, I can't. I don't That's, know. It's like I still. I don't think you should. Yeah. I, well. Are, so I'm just curious about why you're tempted if you hated it so much. You Maybe just want watch to, a playthrough. Do you, do you do you want to have your mind changed, or you just need the resolution? No. Like I do like playing these style of games. Yeah. And um, like I do like playing. I don't know, man. I just there's there's an inborn curiosity in me that has gotten me into trouble in my life. Sure. <laughs> She currently has a bear gnawing in her arm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that curiosity makes me kind of want to play Vertigo too, but, uh, or Vertigo, but, um, yeah. I, I'm going to try to resist it. Okay. All right. That's I fair. It's on sale on Steam. We'll see. My favorite bear related paraphernalia is a bear claw. Okay. That's not a bad one. 
All right, I'm I'm putting you on a mental timer right now before I ask about your thoughts on Buckethead because uh, I feel like I, I might need to cut See, you off at the knees here. I've uh, seen your Limp Bizkit rants go on too What long. is Buckethead? Uh, Buckethead is a... <laughs> That's uh, how I get He was a pretty creative guitar. He is a pretty creative guitarist. I'm assuming he's still doing stuff. Um, I And my answer to the question is mostly going to be I kind of missed the boat on Buckethead. I remember watching a few videos of him doing like... Uh, I don't know if he was quite just jamming or if it was actually like set pieces that he was doing as opposed to like improv improvisation. But uh, he similar to how like Tom Morello came in and he had a sound of like, I'm doing things that most people don't do because I think it's fun. Uh, and that seemed to be the general gist behind Buckethead was like, also he wore a bucket on his head. I think um, we're missed. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we, I, I think forgot we, about you that buried part. the lead a little I forgot bit. about the I bucket the on the head. He was not born so like was John Buckethead, you know, Correct. He, he wears a KFC, but branded, a bra- KFC branded bucket <laughs> on his head. KFC. It is literally so a great. KFC bucket um, with a face mask attached to it. But I, Naturally. I, I think it's something that like, I didn't really get much into but I think I always appreciate any kind of musician who does something a little more outside of the box just because they're enjoying it and having fun. Now, sometimes you could argue sometimes he's more it in can the box. be bad. You could argue he's more he, in no, a box he's in the than bucket. most. That's he's kind of the box. that's KFC's version of a box. But like if you're just doing things that you find fun and are different, uh, as long as you're not hurting anybody, go for it. Uh, and if people like in it, my they'll tag along. Who I have never heard of this man before, and my only item of reference is Silent Hill Two. Oh sure, Triangle Head, Pyramid Head, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in my mind, similar vibe. This is a guitarist who's wearing a bloody apron. I would prefer (laughs) a bucket on his head. That sounds like Guar or something. Like I would be into Um, that. Like yeah, his face painted white. Yeah, was a bucket. He was the Where's guitarist the for Guns N' Roses for a few years. Yeah. I think uh, it was Chinese fucking weird. I feel he, he is the, the advertisement for, for um, steampunk giraffe. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's another solid band to listen to. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was the stuff that I heard was fun and interesting, and right. so uh, so that's a ringing endorsement for uh, for Buckethead for Virgo to go to the game for James and Bond as a concept. To, to clarify, uh, Buckethead also didn't do. Buckethead was like a solo okay, no, artist no, no. who tagged your, along with your other timer stuff. Has gone Sorry, off. the internal so, like, timer has gone off. He would off. do a song with a group. Your, your timer is off. Just pencils down. Pencils <laughs> down. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. <laughs> Wait, I'm just. I just. I could feel the Fred Durst rising. I could feel him like coming up. Yeah. Uh, so now West Borland. I can oh talk. Oh my about. god! No. <laughs> uh, all I right. have no context anymore. That concludes our wild little trip through the jungle, the book of the jungle. Anyway, Hannah, thank you so much for being here oh, and providing for your me. expertise. We this really appreciate having your uh, your your experience here. Next week, you are going to hear an episode about. Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Uh, let me tell you, this is a episode we already recorded yeah. with our friend Chewy. <laughs> we, it went we... wildly off the rails <laughs> in all the best ways. Uh, it's going to be a very entertaining listen, so definitely um, check that out. And if just in case, I'm going to put a little disclaimer when you watch that one. Uh, turn your volume down a notch. 
I, I adjusted the okay, levels good. as best as can, <laughs> but my, my Zoom recorder is unhappy I, with me. I was watching the, the clipping signal happen because we were blowing out the mics so consistently. Eventually. We were uh, laughing so hard. We were having a fantastic time. We were, we were losing our shit. Um, well, thank you, everyone. We will see you next week for Reservoir Dogs. A scooby-dabop, scooby-dabba-dabba-doo-dabba-doo-dabba-doo-dabba-doo-dabba. Stop scatting. Mm. Never! I'm addicted! <laughs>